0: And welcome to I love it Don't you the podcaster Friends share with friends Whether they like it or not I'm Elizabeth I'm Kim And I'm Janelle This week I forced Kim and Janelle To watch the first five episodes Of the Netflix series A Series of Unfortunate Events And originally these are books Written by Lemony Snicket And uh, they adapted them into a TV series So yeah let's find out what they thought
1: (laughs) Who wants to go first? I can go first, since I have a little bit of experience, so then Kim can elaborate. I read the first nine books, Mm -hmm. and I just read them too quickly and kind of got burnt out and then forgot to pick them up again. But I really liked them, and I enjoyed the movie that came out in 2004 Mm -hmm. to an extent. Yeah, It had some really good iconic things in it. But overall, <laughs> I said this earlier to a friend, I was like, overall, it had a downward trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Coming across this series, I'm still attached to the movie in some ways, yeah. just because I really liked Jim Carrey in it mm. and the atmosphere was great and everything. But I think this is a far superior adaptation. It's really good. Kind of the same with the books, though. I have to take it small steps at a time. Mm. But... It's so faithful and then adds to the universe in such a good way. Mm -hmm. So that's my quickie review.
0: Good. yeah, That's good. What about you, Kim?
2: I had no familiarity with it. I'd never read the books. I Mm. knew the movie existed, but I had never watched it. I really didn't know what exactly to expect going in. I really like Neil Patrick Harris. And so that was a good thing. I like the narrator who plays Lemony Snicket. Overall, I really, really enjoyed it. Like Janelle, I kind of have a hard time watching too much of it at one time. Good things aren't happening to these children, so it's not fun to just binge for five hours. I couldn't do that. I slowly watched by slowly. I started yesterday. And (laughs) <laughs> but kind of watched the first episode, took a break, watched the second episode, took a break, watched the third, then watched the last two this morning. I could have probably kept going this morning as I've gotten more into it, but definitely like getting into that universe like could only take about A show at a time, even though I was interested in the characters I liked, not necessarily liked what was happening, but I enjoyed watching the story unfold, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't take too much of it at one time. Which also, this kind of leads to one of my points I was going to make later, is the first couple episodes are long, Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. The third, fourth, and fifth episode were starting to get into like the 40 something minutes. Mm -hmm. I feel like the second episode was over an hour long, and I'm not sure how long exactly the first one was, but I definitely felt that watching them. Interesting. Was that they definitely were longer, and I think just because I'm so conditioned to the 42 minute show that we get on cable Mm -hmm. TV and network TV because of commercials, I like. That Netflix can play around with the length, but sometimes I feel like shows do it to a disadvantage of themselves, Mm -hmm. and they would be better keeping it within that 40-something minute length Mm -hmm. because the show episode kind of drags. Not everybody, but for these, I felt that way.
0: One of the reasons I was hesitant to recommend this to you guys until like I checked with your interest in series Unfortunate and in general and you both seem a little interested, Janelle more than Kim but you at least seemed interested in reading the books or the movie or whatever but yeah, uh, you're definitely right like There's a series of unfortunate events, and the show warned you, the book warned you, that it's (laughs) not going to be happy. Yeah. That kind of stuff, it didn't bother me to watch it, and I binge-watched it. I did pause. I didn't pause because it was too much. I just wanted to savor it. But I'm glad that in the end, it didn't deter you away. Right. And I didn't notice the thing about the length, but I'm also so conditioned to binge watching stuff that I'm like, the longer the episode, the better. (laughs) When I find something I really like, I don't know why I'm about to say this, but I want to stay in that world as long as possible oh no but I that's totally a terrible get that. world you know <laughs> it's terrible but for some reason i thought it was so much fun to watch oh it totally was um, yeah this is one question that i've been i guess i could have looked it up but i thought i would ask Janelle because i think i've read some of the books haven't read all of them and i think that you read them and remember them maybe a little more but the storyline with the parents and the secret mm-hmm. society is that part of the books because i can't remember
1: It is throughout. That was one of the things I was going to say. All of this stuff like, okay, in the first episode when you see Olaf going in to Mr. Poe and convincing him, Mm -hmm. that's not in the book, but it's done so well Mm -hmm. i think you know that it happened in the background like i think poe maybe mentioned something about like somebody Mm -hmm. come in convincing Mm -hmm. him but you never see anything pretty much throughout the entire books it's not that it's written from the baudelaire's perspective but you only follow them you don't see anything else so like the parents you don't see them but there is a secret society going on if you notice this is not a spoiler at all but vfd is important to the story. VFD appears a whole lot. They tease it in this from little things like in the miserable mill. I don't know, you probably didn't watch the last couple episodes. No, I stopped at five. You you stopped at five. Okay, the last two episodes are based off of the miserable mill, which Mm -hmm. is the fourth book. Yeah. Yeah, fourth book for wide windows third. Um, And it goes past an eye chart, like the camera glides past an eye chart really quickly and you'd look at it, you know, normally an eye chart in an optometrist office the first thing that you see is a giant e well it's a giant v instead and then fd below it vfd is an acronym tied to the secret society as is the I. Okay. and mm-hmm. so that stuff starts appearing and you see that all throughout the books especially in like i don't know where they start mentioning it but it is part of it you just don't see the parents in the okay. background okay. you don't see mm-hmm. any of that did you finish the series i didn't i watched okay. i i read No,
0: I meant, like, the TV series, not the Oh, yeah, I finished the
1: series. Okay. I took time yesterday, and I watched the last three. I was just
0: interested because of the, you know, the thing at the end that we're not going to talk about. Yeah. But what you said about them kind of adding that scene where Count Olaf goes to visit Mr. Mm Poe. What I really liked about that scene was Lemony Snicket and his little monologue or... I don't know what you would call it. About, like, now (laughs) this is kind of like an answer to the TV producers. Mm -hmm. You had so many questions about why the Baudelaire's were placed in Count Mm Olaf's care. And I really like that nod. And they do uh, have, like, a lot of little nods about um, streaming television. Mm -hmm. And I really like how they changed. Like, in the book, they would be like, you should stop reading this. And in the intro, they're like, you should stop watching this. Yeah. But do you think those nods to, like, the streaming television and stuff like that, do you think it was... Did you like them, or did you think they were too much? Like, I don't
2: know. I liked them, and I thought they were hilarious. I loved them,
0: yeah. Okay. Good. (laughs) And
2: I really enjoy the warnings away from the show over and Mm -hmm. over again, like, in the theme song, and him saying, you know, like, I have to figure out what happened, but you all do not have to, like, stop watching. I really do enjoy that. Just kind of, like, this anti- you know, like, obviously they want you to watch the show, yet in the show they're warning you away from the show. Right. And it's just... The theme song is kind of catchy though. Oh, I
0: love the theme song. I'll start singing along to Neil Patrick Harris because I'm pretty sure he's singing the theme song. Oh yeah, it's him, and Uh,
1: he redoes it. The second episode Mm -hmm. of each one of the new Guardians is whatever disguise he's in. He's singing that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really like it when he doesn't stiff on his voice. (laughs) Uh, What did y'all think of Neil Patrick Harris? Like. In his portrayal of Count Olaf, because Count Olaf, you know, at one point, you know, I do hate him, but he's also, at point time, so enjoyable to watch. For me, personally, like, what did y'all think? Did you guys just hate him?
2: He does a good job of making him funny to watch. Mm-hmm. This I, is, I know the hardest episode for me to watch was, but, like, him in, I don't know. Uh-huh. Does that
0: make sense?
2: But. The one thing is, though, I never really forgot it was Neil Patrick Harris. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is a downfall. Like, he did a very good job, but I always was cognizant of the fact that it was Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. And so... I still think he does the Count Off disguise really well, though. I mean, I don't know. Like, no,
0: I never forgot it, but it didn't bother me. mm -hmm. But I understand what you're saying. Right.
1: See, being a fan of Jim Carrey's... Count Olaf I was really worried About this Mm -hmm. because honestly I don't remember What Olaf was like in the books Mm -hmm. I don't remember if he was more reserved I don't remember if he was more over the top I mean I know he was theatrical but I don't know How insane he was Part of what I liked about Jim Carrey's Was that he was so I mean he was Jim Carrey he was Mm -hmm. crazy Mm -hmm. but he also had this really menacing edge to him Mm -hmm. and it was like because he was so crazy you didn't know what he was going to do and that made him super threatening and I didn't think little old Neil could do that (laughs) (laughs) so I was kind of worried about that I wasn't really excited I mean I was excited that yay it's Neil Patrick Harris but Mm -hmm. I didn't think he would do it justice but I think he did the characters that are really different in this series, I think they did such a good job with. Yeah, I still knew that it was Neil the whole time. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Like, it always sounds like him. It always sounds like, especially when he's Olaf, it sounds like he's putting on a voice, Mm -hmm. you know? But I think he had a really good combination of... His comedic timing and being able to be very serious. Like, Stefano was pretty frightening with that giant knife and everything. Like, mm-hmm. it's he's scary. And his disguise in the miserable mill is fantastic, too. Yes, it is. He's. It is. Because he's over the top. I can't tell you who it is.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's really over the top. But I also think that he wears it really well also. You know what I'm saying? What I like about this character is
1: that no matter what disguise he's in, he always does something really stupid mm-hmm. every time. Like when he's Captain Sham, he's constantly singing about the sea and yeah. talking about the sea and they're like, it's
0: a lake. It's a large lake. <laughs> what did he say? My wife is a sea. And my girlfriend is a largely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He does it very well of being over the top, seeming like he's into the part and then he just screws something up every time. And it's great. And I think that really adds to the character of the show that the adults always fall for it. The other character that I was really impressed with is Lemony Snicket.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because
1: Mm -hmm. I thought in the movie, especially in the movie, he was played by Jude Law. And okay. you, you only heard his voice and saw his hands, but the rest of the time it was like a black silhouette of him. Okay. The monologuing is, like, inherent to the story. It's all exactly how you see it. Like, he'll interrupt to the middle of an action mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. it. They didn't fabricate that. So, I only know... Patrick Warburton from being Kronk in The Emperor's New Groove, like, oh, you know, and different things where he's doing that monotone voice, but for comedic effect, and Mm -hmm. I was not sure how I was going to feel about it, because Lemony Snicket is, he is comedic, but it's super dry humor, Mm -hmm. and it was perfect for a British guy to do it, Yeah, because... They do dry humor so well. Mm-hmm. They can say it's so classy, but it's so, like, cutting. Yeah. I was super surprised that Patrick could do it, though, that he does serious well. I've only seen him in comedic roles, but he does serious so well. Yeah. Some of the big hallmarks of this series is always defining words for the kids all the time (laughs) and for the audience as well. Right. People just being, like, super stupid about figuring out who Count Olaf is or isn't, being duped by him and things like that. Like, the adults are always oblivious. And I didn't think about that. I just thought it was a quirk of the story until watching this again and remembering things that we've learned in like our children's literature it's stu- uh, class and stuff like that mm. because of the age this is intended for it's like for older kids and maybe even getting to like between age They tend to feel kind of more left out and adults are treating them stupidly so it makes sense to define these words. When Lemony Snicket does it in the story it's as a respectful kind of Mm -hmm. thing to give you context for the story Mm -hmm. whereas when everybody else does it, it's done in like a condescending, Mm -hmm. you're a stupid kid manner and it's like, I bet that relates really well to a lot of kids that would be Mm -hmm. interested in this book or in this
2: series. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Me too! (laughs) That was kind of One of my frames as I was watching it was kind of how in my young adult class last summer, like we kind of talked about in more young adult literature, parents just aren't there Mm -hmm. and adults just aren't there that much. But for this age group, adults normally are there. How they're portrayed is very much kind of most of the adults are portrayed as clueless Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And we are seeing them speaking down to the kids and just writing off what the kids have to say as children and that does very much seem like it would be speaking very well to kids that age mm-hmm. who, who feel that a lot who do pick up on the condescension when adults talk to them and i do like the the bit when most of the adults are defining words in. They're always like, yeah, we know what that means. Mm -hmm. I do like that occasionally they don't know what it means, and they're quick to say that they don't know Mm -hmm. what it means. Or when Violet asks what's meant by Dowager. Dowager, aunt,
0: yeah. Yeah,
2: the adult is quick to say, well, you should know what a taxi is. Totally misunderstanding. Where, you know, and this is a child being inquisitive but getting written off. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting, especially through what we've learned and stuff over the last couple years in our classes and things to kind of look at it from that perspective because this was written for children originally and for that age group this is very dark
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's super and it only gets darker just yeah. so you yeah.
0: know <laughs> i don't think that the show is making it darker from the books you know what i mean i don't think no. that the show is taking the content from the books and then making it darker for adults this was as dark as it was in the
2: right um, which that's just interesting it was really because popular for that age group, if I'm remembering things correctly, they still try and keep things not too dark. It's mm-hmm. when you start entering the young adult books that you start getting mm-hmm. into the darker stuff. And so it's very interesting to me how dark mm-hmm. this show gets, but it's getting it from the original material. Which was for juvenile which, kids. Right. Yeah. Well, and so this series is for juvenile kids, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, I I would say I, I would say that. that. Like, mm-hmm. yes, obviously... If there's adults who have read it growing up, they're going to want to tune in. But I would say that it's still, the focus is for that age group that those books were written for.
1: Yeah. They definitely have the adults in mind when they're making the show, though. Because, like, the Netflix references and some other
2: references later on in the Miserable Mill and things like that, Mm -hmm. that's much more adult (laughs) (laughs) like, innuendos, because I hadn't picked up on... In the first five, there's not a lot of innuendos, because a lot of kids' stuff do have a lot of innuendos that you're never going to get as a five-year-old, but as an adult, you're like,
1: oh, that's a little dirty. The Miserable Mill is, like, laden with innuendo. (laughs) From particularly two different parties. Yeah. I think, though, what's really clever about this is that Lemony Snicket, in both the books and in the series... Because he was in on creating this series too, mm-hmm. they balance the darkness with a lot of like clever wordplay and mm-hmm. yeah, that's you know, what I just to talk about. The next. really yeah. quirky atmosphere, mm-hmm. and on top of it, you know, throwing in like the teamwork type things like that, like yes. when they're making
0: pasta together and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And how they comfort each other, too. Like, mm-hmm. I remember that from the books that I really enjoyed the relationship between the children and how they would care for each other. Mm-hmm. And I also really enjoyed reading about children who were smart and who take yes. care of themselves. At the so. same time, though, they aren't just miniature adults.
1: Right. They right. very much feel about... They aren't just like, well, our parents are dead. We're just going to move along. They're having grief and stuff the entire time and they're fighting for themselves it's just that they are able to kind of compartmentalize it a little better Mm
0: -hmm. or even just Um, use kind of like the knowledge that they developed while living with their parents mm -hmm. to help them you know yeah i don't see it as compartmentalization thank you yeah uh but more using their skills to cope with their circumstances they do cope well when
1: they're not in immediate danger but anytime there's you know immediate danger immediate time for action they're right there with it they don't pause except for violet to tie her hair up so she can think of an invention i love
0: every time she ties her hair up. that's really
1: cute no lie i was super jealous when i was younger that she could just tie her hair up super easily My hair doesn't do that, even when it was Mm -hmm. like you know shoulder length and below, and I wanted to be like Violet and be able to tie my hair up, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't. Well, I
0: probably could, but I never had a reason to, and that always really bummed me out. Oh, I I tried.
1: (laughs) I actually
0: tried tying it up, and it did not work. My hair is too slippery. I don't know why that little quirk is so endearing and something I would want to emulate, but it really is. They each one have
1: one from the books, if I remember right. Like Klaus straightens his glasses anytime he goes to get to work or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I forget what Sonny's is. It's usually like she chomps her teeth right. or something. That's what
2: I would think. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, though, like the kids, like, yes, as a child reading that, like seeing smart kids would be very, very inspiring. As an adult, I like seeing smart kids, but at the same time it rings a little false or sometimes I feel like the – Smart beyond their year kids is a trope that we see a lot. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's done and it's done well, but at the same time, it's a little bit like... mm. It doesn't fit real well for me. It's just coming at this for the first time as an adult. It's not a new thing for me, where if I was reading it as a 9 or 10-year-old, it would be an extremely new thing for me, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. It would strike a chord a lot more. Yeah. Whereas it's like, uh I've seen this. Yeah, they're cute and clever, but nobody's going to sit there and be that with it, that smart mm-hmm. adult or child. And so for me, like that's just... Something that rings a little hollow.
0: I can understand that, yeah. Uh, But I mean, still, them their teamwork and their being for each other. Right. I think that, especially when you're facing adults who
2: can't take care of you. Oh no, I like like that. It's just the like. These super brilliant children, like aspect. That that, that.
0: I'm just trying to point out something that you might. That I just want to be positive about it. Like no, I no. I mean, and I liked
2: the kids, and mm -hmm. I liked it, but just that. And I loved Sunny. I don't know. I I mean, like Sunny. Sunny's cute. Like she I, talks a whole lot more in the books, too. Yeah. <laughs> she
0: has some, she's sassy. You know? She's very no, sassy. Like,
2: she's so adorable. And then, like, her gibberish and then being a smart aleck in her gibberish. Yeah. And it's fantastic.
0: I really love it when Count Olaf calls her a hairless pygmy. <laughs> <laughs> the faces they make back and forth at each other. Like, during that, I forgot when it was. I don't know. But I just think
2: their interactions sometimes are too funny. Uh-huh. Oh, I a hairless pygmy. So I did have a question because this is the first season, so more than likely there'll be another season. And we've gone through book four, is that what you've said? Yeah, the first four books. This is all happening, at least it seems, in relatively quick time. So do the books continue kind of in, like, do they spread out in time or whatever? Because that's going to be a problem, though, if we're having one season... With eight episodes that cover four books, and then we wait a year to shoot another one. These kids are going to be aging out. Yeah. If this is supposed to be taking place over the whole series over a year Mm -hmm. or over whatever. So, as people who are more familiar with the books, like, what's the time span of the books?
0: I don't
1: remember the children Uh, aging. They do in the last, okay, there's actually like three stages. I looked at the wiki to try and get prepared for all of this. They're kind of divided. I don't know if they're officially divided, but they're kind of divided. into like groups of three. So the first set is like kind of setting everything up. And then in the second set of three, they kind of start being a little bit more independent. The third three, they're like off on their own. And then the final three, they're still on their own, but it's like, it's super dark and it's tying everything up. And that's where you get a lot of answers regarding the secret society and stuff like that. So there's 12 books. There's 12 books. Actually, no, sorry, there's 13. The last one has four. The last set has four in it, sorry. Because it's unlucky, number 13. Right.
0: It has to end on 13, you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> For the first, like, eight or so, mm-hmm. it's not very much time in between each. So we probably have another season. We're good. Stuff starts lengthening out from then on
2: okay. a little
1: bit. I feel like the last few, like, granted, I'm just going off of plot summaries, mm-hmm. but the last few, I think, take place over more time. Okay. They also, they talk about how Sunny is growing. Okay. Okay she actually starts literally talking like later on and stuff like that like a little bit I think Mm -hmm. because they do often in the wiki talk about her
2: talking but it's it's her babbling right and they're interpreting Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure I did like that certain people, like, can understand her, no problem. Yes! like Monty! My, like, Uncle Monty, which I love Asif Monvi, who was oh, from my The Daily gosh. Show. Yeah. Also, one of the henchmen has no problem understanding <laughs> her.
1: Yeah?
0: I love the okay um, man. Wait, what? the hook-handed man. Yes. I love him to death. Right. I was gonna ask you guys who your favorite henchman was, or if you had one. Cause mine probably is definitely the hook-handed man. But also, like, I don't know his name, but he plays the nurse with. Um,
2: oh, he's oh. the
1: henchman,
0: hench person of indeterminate gender. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'd probably have to say the hook man. He's
1: adorable. And see, here's the thing. In the movies, and not even in the books either, they don't really have much personality. In the movie, they're just people that are there. Mm -hmm. Like you see the hook-handed man a little bit, but he doesn't really have any dialogue. I didn't even know that Craig Ferguson played the Hinch person of indeterminate gender, but it was. <laughs> and they do it so differently. This person is like androgynous, and I think that wasn't in the books. If I remember right, the book is how they did it in the movie where it's literally half of the person vertically.
0: Oh, okay. Half of them,
1: you know, the left-hand side is dressed like a male and the right-handed side is dressed like a female. And, like, the makeup and everything is, like, split down the center. So that was fabulous at being Craig Ferguson once I figured that out. I was going to say, I'm going to
2: have to go look that up. Yeah, you
1: have to. But, like, they didn't, have not that I would have known who Craig Ferguson was when that movie came out. They didn't have any personality whatsoever in it. They were yeah. just there and they were there to look odd. They're totally their own characters in yeah. this and I loved it so much. Like they have personalities and things like mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I love that when they're enjoying the pasta puttanesca mm-hmm. <laughs> and <then> they're <laughs> just like no it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all have to stop eating it when uh, Count Off is like where's the roast beef? <laughs> but man, when he, Count Olaf hit Klaus, I was like, oh, I yeah. forgot
2: about that. And I was like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. The the pasta, whatever. Puttanesca. Yeah. I like that it comes back. Like yeah. in episode five, like he's talking about it, wanting some or, or something. And it's mm-hmm.
0: just like. Like Count Olaf is, they make up the story that Count Olaf was eating pasta puttanesca. Like when he lost his leg. <laughs> And also, I can't remember. No, that's episode six, but it comes up again. One of the episodes that was actually hard for me to watch, like just parts of it, uh, was The Marvelous Marriage. Uh, when, mm-hmm. Cal- oh, I was like, oh no, I don't want to see, see Patrick Harris behaving that way, but what do you think? What That was ugh, personal gripe here,
1: okay? Mm-hmm. The movie directly contradicts the stories which was fine. How they did that, you know, Violet goes to like put the pin in her left hand or whatever. But in the movie, Count Olaf goes, no, 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 in your right hand and makes her sign it in her right hand. So I don't remember how they refute it, but that's no longer, they made it so that she did write it in her correct hand. Mm -hmm. And so they were like legally married somehow or something like that, or they ripped up the document. I don't remember, but he's caught. Olaf is caught at the end of the first three books, and they make him go through all of the things that he did to the children. So like he has to like fall off a cliff and stuff like that.
0: Is this in the movie? Yeah, that's okay. in the movie. I was like, I don't remember that from the book. I mean, yeah, I did. No, no, watch and that's what movie? I'm saying.
1: Okay, gotcha. personal gripe is that they ended it that way, but they wanted to have sequels, and I was like,
0: okay. why did you completely wrap everything up? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really like the movie because they took the first three books and then just crammed them all together. Mm. I mean, I love Jim Carrey, but I just remember leaving the movie theater and being like, man, that kind of sucks, you know?
1: Jim Carrey was great, and then the guy who played Uncle Monty was fabulous. Yeah. I love Uncle Monty. so much. Billy Connolly, mm-hmm. I think. He's an Irish guy. Have you ever watched Boondock Saints? I, w- no, I don't I know why you would that. but have you ever watched have you ever seen Muppet Treasure Island?
0: Yes, I love Muppet Treasure Island. He
1: plays the the pirate that dies in the beginning.
0: Really? <laughs> Okay,
1: <laughs> the black spot. The black He's that spot. guy. I mean, there were certain characters in the movie that were great, but the movie mm-hmm. did stupid stuff Especially to like tie do... up the story. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, they expected to get sequel or they wanted to get sequels, mm-hmm. and it was like, why would you completely
0: change <gasps> yeah. the story? Yeah. So this is so much more faithful. It is, and it's a better format, I think, just for the story in general, because I can see how in the movie you would need to squeeze in three books because if you're gonna end with the. Mar- Marvelous marriage mm-hmm. doesn't give them a, audience a lot of incentive to come back, you know? Uh, it didn't th- end in the marvelous no, marriage, I, know, I don't but think. Like, it ended with the reptile room. But wide window. Instead like an alternative to cramming three movies would just be doing the first two. Mm-hmm. But then I could see why they would want to not do that. Yeah. Does that make am I making No, I got you. It's just But anyway, I agree. This is a much better format. It's it's
1: so much better. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I was going to say, though, about I don't know why some of the episodes kind of drag. That's literally my only complaint about this Mm -hmm. entire thing is some of them, it feels like it's going for a long time. And I don't know if it's because I know the story, because I noticed like where I would open a separate Internet tab, I'd be just fooling around or whatever for a little bit and then go back to it. It was always in parts where it was stuff with the kids that I remembered so maybe that's why but it did some of them felt like they took forever but on the other hand if you took out stuff that wasn't in the books so all of the parents and stuff like mm-hmm. that you'd have a really short show and it wouldn't be nearly as engrossing No,
0: I'm really glad that they added in this like parents element and everything because mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree it was and I think it, it makes
1: you be more cognizant of the uh, obviously you're more cognizant of the background stuff like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. notice by me saying vfd and you guys not knowing what i'm talking about It's they obviously were very like subtle with those hints Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i don't know that you would get that there's a larger thing going on in the background if they were just going off of those yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. It would. I feel like VFD being everywhere would just kind of be a quirk of the show. Like, you might right. be able to write it off that easily. But by, yeah, making the episodes a lot longer and adding in the parents, I think it makes it feel so much more rich. Yeah. And so, like, I don't mind that that's mm-hmm. not in the book. I don't mind that half of the monologues are not from the book. They yeah. sound like they are, though. They do, They're yeah. fabulous. <laughs> I feel like, from what I remember, I mean, it has been... Gosh, I think I counted it up. It's been, like... Thirteen years since I read the books, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like about fifty percent of the monologues they just wrote for the show, but they're so
2: good. I agree. You said Lemonade Snicket actually had a hand in the show, right? He did, because and he was in the show too.
1: He was. He was in the show. He was the one of the people at the market, like right before Aunt Josephine gets buys limes. Yeah. You see him, and he's selling, I can't remember if it was Fish or what. Yeah. But like,
2: okay. yeah, that's him. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I really think it does help having the writer who actually wrote the books writing the show or movie, because mm-hmm. this is going to be a weird tie-in, but I've recently been obsessed with Bridget Jones. And Helen Fielding actually has helped to write the movies. And so the movies are actually a lot different than the books, I've watched all the movies for years. I've recently been reading the books. But the tone and characters are the same. Mm-hmm. So had I read the books first and then watched the movies, I still probably would have been mad because I am me. Mm-hmm. But being that I like the movies first, like I can appreciate it. But I think that because these are different formats, so it doesn't always work to just strictly tell exactly what the book is sometimes you do need oh yeah to Mm -hmm. add in a little bit even though that hurts when you fall (laughs) in love with a book and then they add in things but I think it really is helpful when your writer of the book is the one that is helping Mm -hmm. to guide those Mm -hmm. so that the additional monologues do sound mm-hmm. like they belong in the book. Sound fabulous. So that Bridget, <laughs> even if she's having a little bit different crisis, it, she's still handling it and sounding the same way she would in the book. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Also, I think with the richness of television, the way that we have right now with mm-hmm. the different platforms like Netflix, um, HBO, some of the freedoms of being able to do like more limited series and stuff, you're hopefully able to Remain more faithful to the book. You're able to take that time. You're able to have the amount of shows and the length of time that you need to tell this story the way that it needs to, to translate it from book to movie.
0: Well, I also really like that they added in more information about the Secret Society because, mm-hmm. as you, when I was re watching it, you know, like I kept looking for things that might give me more clues. And if I rewatch it this season again, I'll be looking out for VD. VFD. VFD. Adding that riches to the show just makes it more enjoyable to watch the second time. And I like being able to look, watch a show, and try to figure out mm-hmm. some kind of puzzle.
1: Conversely, though, and I don't even know if this is—we've kind of moved on from this anyway. Conversely, <laughs> though, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I was thinking about is—you know—it's I love it that they were able to incorporate new things with mm-hmm. the universe and i was trying to think like i know there have been shows and movies that have done that and done it poorly mm-hmm. and i couldn't think of what and then i realized oh chronicles of narnia
0: oh, there yeah.
1: we go the first one they have an entire battle that was not in the book like it was in the book in that they said and a battle was in <laughs> was going <laughs> on but they didn't actually Like, C.S. Lewis didn't go into talking about Mm -hmm. it, the specifics of it or anything. So they completely, completely fabricated this whole battle where they have, like, the sides face off. They have, like, two fronts, like, facing each other and everything. And it's epic and it's great. They do a great job and it's really kind of metaphorical for everything in the book and everything. But then you turn around and go to the second one, Prince Caspian, and they completely fabricated an entire romance between Susan Pevensey Mm -hmm. and Prince Caspian that was not in the books and people were pissed. (laughs) Like they were so mad and it was probably the weakest part of the movie and they fabricated some other stuff but that was the main thing and it's like they did it really poorly. Is that because C.S. Lewis is long dead and nobody could give any input on it? I don't know. With something that is so quirky like this, I think if they want to keep adding stuff to it They definitely need to keep Lemony Snicket on board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think what his actual name is. We keep calling him Lemony. I know. It's like Daniel Handler,
0: I Mm -hmm. think, or something like that.
2: I don't know his real name. Yes. That could
0: be (laughs) it. (laughs) That could definitely be it.
2: Who is your favorite of, I would say, the adults in the children's lives that actually care for them and are trying to do good? Mm
1: -hmm. I got to say Monty. He was my favorite Mm -hmm. in the books, the movie, and in the TV series.
2: He's great. Yeah, he's I really so love Dr. Monty. <laughs> Even though he's kind of oblivious. Yeah. Well, they're all kind of oblivious, and because mm-hmm. I would probably say the judge, because I love Joan Cusack. Mm. I did love. Her, and so yeah. I mean, I loved Demoni too. I mean, I loved all of the the adults that are supposed to be caring for the children, but are just not doing a great job. Yeah, but I just loved Joan Cusack because. She's awesome. So judge whatever her name was. Mm-hmm.
0: And she was just so sweet. I love her opening scene where she pulls out all these things that she can't do by herself, but the kids could help her with, Aww. you know.
2: Well, and I love when they're going to the store or whatever, and she was saying she would love to be part of their family if they would let her. And I'm mm-hmm. just like,
0: oh Yeah. And then she marries Violet to
2: Olaf. <laughs> <laughs> like, she was blinded by the spotlight.
0: <laughs> what she, does Olaf say? He was like, finally you get to live the dream being a middle-aged actress, like desperate (laughs) middle-aged actress.
2: So this is kind of going back to like the way that they define things and Mm -hmm. and kind of explain things. But I love that Count Olaf always gets things wrong. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like if he's trying to explain a word, he's giving the wrong definition. He's mispronouncing the phrase or... In loco. Right.
0: I want to say in (laughs) parenthesis.
2: In loco loco parenthesis. Or something like that. That could be it. Um, But he says, like, loco parentheses or whatever. Mm. And where the kids are having to define things for him. Mm -hmm. Or figuratively and literally and all that. Like, I love that (laughs) they are having him just totally missed the boat on all of this stuff. And I think that's just a great little <laughs> And thing. he's always
0: like, that's what I said.
2: Right, <laughs> when he gets corrected, then he's like, that's what I said.
1: I really want to know why our generation sucks at literally and figuratively yeah. so bad when we had these books and they yeah. were
2: popular. <laughs> well, now they've changed the definition of literally to include the way that it is always misused. No. I believe that they it's have really, actually done that. It's really
0: like kind of finding our new era now. Right. I mean, I
2: blame Chris Traeger a little bit. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Literally.
2: (laughs) That would be a character from Parks and Rec, just in case you don't know.
1: (laughs) It took me a second.
2: I was just staring at both of them until they both figured out what I was
0: doing. If you just said Rob Lowe, I would have been been there with you. Yeah, Gustav, I was so sad when he died. I don't know why we didn't get to see him that much, but man, at least the kids had someone looking out for him. Yeah. See, that's one thing.
1: I don't remember the movies, like decoding in the movies and stuff. I don't remember that being part of it. Like, I know that Monty was going to take them to Peru, but I don't think that they said it. So I don't, they didn't say anything about like being on the run or seeing him do anything suspicious in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's something that they took from later books and looped around so that we can see it in quote unquote real time Mm -hmm. or what. But it's really cool. Yeah. I like seeing that all of the guardians, like I knew they were part of the society, but I like seeing that they are still actively like trying to protect the kids mm-hmm. other than just housing them. Not to mention Monty, like I was kind of legitimately a little bit sad like, I knew Monty was going to die. Like yeah. That's the
2: trope the entire mm-hmm. series. And if you aren't familiar with that trope, they tell you in the beginning song mm-hmm. for that episode. Yeah. Like, they do. And they
0: even tell you about dramatic irony. Like Right. Like, <laughs> living like, like, yeah. with Nick, it tells you, like, he's going to die. It's not now. Sunny says <laughs> that
1: in one of the later oh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, she, she, she babbles
0: and is like, dramatic irony? Yeah. <laughs> when, yep, yeah. All oh, Sunny. I love She's Sunny. adorable. Sunny's
2: adorable. I know, I texted Elizabeth, I was like, can your favorite character be one that doesn't even speak and just babbles?
1: Do you know who does the voice for her, though? Because it's not actually a baby doing those voices. It's the same girl, it's uh, Tara Strong, who's Tommy Pickles in (laughs) Rubber (laughs) Rats. What? Yes, that's so cool. Now that I say that, I'm worried that I'm saying the wrong one, because I get her and another voice actress mixed up, which is a terrible set. Do you guys have a certain quirk that you like the most from it? Like, out of the defining words or people just being oblivious or mr poe coughing all the time
0: Oh, uh, mr poe's coughing gets me so frustrated mr. and i remember it getting me very frustrated when i was reading the books as well
1: i didn't remember it at all i was mm-hmm. like did he burn down the house or something and now he's coughing about it oh. like i didn't
0: remember it at all
2: mm-hmm. mr poe is probably my least favorite mm-hmm. because yeah. It's just like, you are causing these children such pain because you're an idiot. I like him
1: better than his wife. Sorry. Yeah, his wife is terrible. His wife's
2: terrible, too. But for the quirks, I would probably say the defining the words. Mm. Because I really, you know, I like vocabulary and that stuff. Yeah. And so I think it's a cool way to be able to use words that children that age probably don't know but that can help to expand their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I mean when you're reading there's constantly words that you run across. Sometimes you'll look them up. Sometimes you'll just try and get them within the context clues of Mm -hmm. whatever you're reading. So I like that they're defining it for you. Mm -hmm. Especially knowing what age group these books were written for. Also I really like Aunt, whatever her name is. Josephine? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And her love of grammar.
0: I know that's hilarious she's always been one of my least favorite my favorite quirk I just real, I don't know I really like um, Lemony Snicket's little notes to Beatrice mm-hmm. you know and um, <laughs> that kind of stuff and then I just also really love that line when <laughs> Cal Olive goes oh, a hairless pygmy <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> he knows she's not a pygmy <laughs> I will
1: say Beatrice is important to the story. Now that I've, I've read all the summaries, and it's really sad. <laughs> uh,
0: I I bet.
2: Yeah, really I I sad. figured that she was important.
0: I really somewhat, like, like, like his like blurry photograph he has of her.
2: <laughs> like, Why do you have a blurry photograph of her? Yeah, I do feel like Lemony Snicket himself will be very important mm-hmm. to by the time the entire series, mm-hmm. uh, right. But I'm enjoying not really knowing how he exactly fits in. Right. Mm -hmm. I think he's my
1: favorite quirk. How he interrupts scenes or how he's suddenly there. And, like, every time he's in the middle of a scene, I always expect people to see him. Like, I know that he's there as a figment or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I always expect them to talk to him. And, like, at one point in the miserable mill, he's actually in the same uniforms as everybody else. And I was like, whoa, is he? No, he's not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you find out in episode six a little bit more about how he is a part of it. I would say a little bit. I mean, like just like one. There's a little clue.
2: I was gonna say at some point it is kind of in episode five. Say something kind of about oh yeah, Lemony Snicket himself or is he kind, dead or, or he's still alive or something, or something like, that. like mm-hmm. that. So you know that he's oh, part of the secret true. organization. Oh okay.
0: Are you guys gonna keep watching? Um, yes. Yeah, Janelle I've, is it definite yes Kim?
2: Uh, yeah I'll keep watching I might not right away I mean I only have three episodes left but I have other things I want to watch this week so and my time is right. limited because of school That's fair mm-hmm. I will say the last two episodes are my favorite of the entire mm-hmm. season I like, they really I've, good mm-hmm. Yeah I definitely the more I've gotten into it like enjoy it more and stuff and I do want to keep watching it I just honestly want to watch mary tyler moore stuff (laughs) which for context
1: mary tyler moore died like two days ago what yeah as Mm -hmm. of us recording we're getting
0: into context in a minute here oh well fine what have you guys been obsessing about this week other than this
2: yeah not much
0: all right i like hearing that
2: (laughs) i really don't feel like i've been obsessing over much of anything because of school getting back in and yeah. that sort of stuff. Mary Tyler Moore did, as we were recording, she did Die Wednesday and we're recording on Friday. So the last few days I've been watching some Mary Tyler Moore show and Dick Van Dyke, and we'll, that will probably definitely be my obsession over the next week. Mm-hmm. But this week I haven't been obsessing over that much. You?
0: I have been obsessing over Black Sails, which is a TV show on Stars. I got a free subscription for, like, a week, so I binge-watched it. Oh, my gosh, I was so obsessed with all the pirates. But (laughs) there was only three seasons, so I felt pretty lost this morning. Uh, No, Thursday night, and I was like, wait, Elizabeth, you need to watch a series of unfortunate events. So now I'm not sure what I'm going to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm in a show hole, too. That's Mm -hmm. one thing why I've only been watching this, because all the CW stuff is coming back now, but I'm not really wanting to watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of... I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm kind of getting over them all, all of them, and I finally finished *Heart of Dixie*. You so, finished like, it? I did finish it. I powered through. Wow. And I was fine with the ending, but like, it was actually it was kind of cute. The ending was, but it was like all of season three and like half of season four. It just needed to go die. So, I'm
0: glad it's over. What will we be watching next time?
2: So, next week, because Mary Tyler Moore just died on Wednesday, and growing up, I loved to watch The Dick Van Dyke Show and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And both of those actually have big significance in the TV landscape and how women are viewed and that sort of thing. So, for next week, we're going to watch the first ten episodes of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And that can be found on Hulu. Yeah, you can definitely get the first 10 episodes. I think they have the first three seasons. Uh, so after I finish that on Hulu, then I'll have to like buy them or get them from the library. But for, for our in, uh, purposes, the first 10 episodes are on Hulu for you to watch. All
0: right, guys. If you want more I Love It, Don't You content, visit i love it don't iloveitdontyou.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on all our social media stuff. We'll have updates about what we're doing and what's coming up. And if you liked us, Please uh, review us on iTunes, it would really help us out. Uh, bye, guys! Bye! Bye! bye.